Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Other than beating Arizona and Arkansas down in the Clearwater event, they have not beaten anyone yet. You both talk about this team going to OKC, but I just don't see it happening unless they find an identity. That's uh, that's March 13th, Glenn. You remember that? Yeah. March 13th? That's post-Oklahoma State series. I comment on one of our articles. And I look, I'm not, I'm not trying to flame you. It's fine. We, we were all there. It was what it was. Uh, you like that one or you like this one? This team isn't the dominant force of past teams, however... They're good enough to win the ACC and get to the championship tournament. I think the person's a little stronger. You know, I mean, yeah. it is a little stronger. Haven't beaten anyone yet. Um, boy, we've come a long way since then. Again, I don't, I don't mean to flame anybody. And welcome everybody in. It's the Seminole Softball Rap Podcast. Brian Peller and Glenn Rhodes. Uh, our final, uh, the regular season's over. You guys got the delayed episode here coming to you on a Wednesday. We're recording Tuesday night because, as you guys were quick to point out when I made the note, uh, Glenn was at Taylor Swift. So we'll get to that and caught up on everything that we've missed over the weekend too. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was these comments are two months ago. Um, post just uh, the, the February 27th comment, obviously, was our first episode of the year, which was just kind of after the Clearwater thing. And then the uh, the March 13th, the first one post Oklahoma State. Again, I get why we were there, but I remember yeah. that, that those articles we've talked about it. We were in the comments like, yeah, it's really early. They're talented, yeah. though. Uh, to go from there to ACC champions, we're going 22 and two in the conference, 47 and eight overall. I, I don't want to go. I told you so. But I, I mean, you know, they haven't been <laughs> OKC yet, but this is a damn good yeah. softball team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, when you're you play the Oklahoma's and the Oklahoma States like midseason, you kind of forget how long the season actually is. And you look at the ACC coming up and it's like, oh man, like the ACC is going to be so rough if we, you know, stumbled so hard in Oklahoma. But I mean, I mean, we even, we did good in Clearwater. I don't even, uh, looking back on it, we only lost one game, two games to UCLA and Alabama, but like those weren't awful games. Like, yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't mean to, fl- I'm not trying to be like, Hey, you're an idiot. You know, I mean, it's, it was <laughs> two months ago, no one would know. I mean, I've, I, we sat here last year and kind of said the same thing. And then at the end of the first weekend, we were like, yeah. wow, how about that? Huh? Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it speaks to what this team has really found. I mean, like I said, 22 and two in conference, your ACC champions for the first time in four or five years, 2019. Um, you know, you finished winning the conference, really not all that close, three games over Duke. You didn't lose an ACC series and you outscored your opponents 345 to 126. So it's it's not like it was close, not like yeah. you won close games. You outscored them by more than 200 runs. Yeah. I mean, the last couple weeks or whatever, you could probably be like, oh yeah, we're going into the 11th inning or they're scoring first or whatever. But 
I mean, I, I, I think the numbers speak for themselves, but those numbers aren't like particularly out there for people to look at. So like people look at the last couple games or going back and forth with Florida or walking out, walking it off in the 11th against Louisville. And it's like, they don't know, oh, we're outscoring our opposition 200 plus runs. So. Yeah, I, I think that was something that stood out to me because like I was compiling the game by game and we're going to do that here in a second. And I looked at it, I was like a lot of close games recently. And I, and I looked back yeah. through the comments of the articles and a lot of people are like, oh, this kind of looks like the offense that put us in trouble last year. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I think when you put the whole season into context and I mean, really the dominant run came in the ACC. Yeah. There's not much really to complain about. No, and like. I think a lot of Florida State fans know this because Coach talks about it all the time, but like, you know, going to Clearwater and going out to Oklahoma, like those are what set us up for having dominant runs in the ACC. And like that really sets us up for like being as good as we need to be at the end of the season, like right now and going into postseason and like just the ACC tournament this upcoming week. Like we know because we've been there, you know, we've, we've been there earlier this year. We've been there last year in the ACC tournament. So I mean, this team's very well prepped for what's ahead of them. Yeah, it's certainly not a team without flaws. I'll, I'll give you that. If you're sitting there looking at your phone or you're listening <laughs> to your, you're like, you're kidding me. Talk about, we'll get there. We will get there. Um, but I mean, just over the last two weeks, obviously eight and zero, and we'll go game by game, like I said. But you know, Cat wins her third ACC pitcher of the week. Coacher wins her number seven hundred and counting, and then McKenna Reed named a finalist for NFCA Freshman of the Year. She also logged an ACC Pitcher of the Year, I think, for the weekend when we last recorded, it didn't come out till Monday though. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team keeps stacking accolades and it's mostly on the back of the two of them there, Kat and McKenna. Yeah. Uh, so game by game, the first one, they, they, uh, I, I, they're kind of separated cause they're midweek games, but I'm just going to go ahead and stick them together. Cause I feel like it makes sense to just call this a series. Uh, the first one, you got Florida at home, you win five, three McKenna starts three runs allowed in three innings. One of them earned, uh, kind of because of our own error. So I, I don't know how we feel about that one. You know, it's kind of sometimes you'd be like, ah, oh, the defense let you down. Well, it's, it's, it's your defense. But um, <laughs> Allie gives you one and a third scoreless. Cat closes it out. You put up five, run, five runs on Elizabeth Hightower, Mudge, Mac, Dak, Muffley, all driving in runs. Good win against a good team. Good question mark. I don't know. I don't. I mean, Florida was like predict. I was watching. I am watching the first round of the uh, SEC tournament, and they were talking about like the teams that were supposed to be good in the beginning of the season for the SEC, and it, like Florida was one of them, and now they're not. Um, and if they didn't have Skylar Wallace, I don't know where this Florida team would be. I think Skylar Wallace is like the best player in the SEC and the best player in Florida, the best player in the country, controversial topic, maybe. Um, but I mean, I think Florida has been better, but you know, if they're playing us, they're definitely going to give us everything they have. Yeah. I think that's going to be expected a rival um, playing against head to head there. Um, the only other, I think big interesting thing, McKenna gets to start. Yeah. Um, she was okay in the, in the start. Yeah, I'm I'm not mad about it. Like I I think it was a really good quality start for her. You know, when she went out against Clemson, she had a pretty good start as well. And it's her second start of the season. Um, and just getting three innings, I think, you know, three runs were given up, but only one hit. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't like pe- they weren't just killing her with hits. Like she was dominating um for the most part. And just like a few unlucky breaks here or there, like kind of came back to bite her but I mean I wasn't mad about her start at all I think she did pretty well 
Uh, and fo- again, follow me here. I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead over the Notre Dame series. We will come back to it, but I'm putting Florida together because you kind of sweeped that, swept that series. Uh, so you go at Florida the second week, 8-7 win. Obviously, seven a large number. Mac actually starts the game, goes two and a third, two earned. She gives up three runs overall. Allison gives up four in the middle innings. McKenna shuts it down the final two. Um, I mean, if you really want to get down to it, I think the one big note I took away from this one is is you get the winning eighth run, which you were already up, but ended up proving the difference. Um, Walk by Edenfield, the Ross pinch run, stolen base, wild pitch, sack fly, and off a walk, you basically stole what ended up being the most important run of the game. Yeah, I mean, that Michaela walk or Michaela reach base in, like, the important innings, and then she's sub for a mile, like, that's just money every time. <laughs> we, we bring up the the cat McKenna doing their thing. That just seems like that's the offense. Is, is, is Michaela takes a walk or gets on base, and then it's yeah. the pinch run, stolen base, wild throw to second, and you're on <laughs> third. Here comes the yeah. run. Uh, any other big takeaway in this 8-7 one? I, I thought it was just kind of a, like, like we talked about, a rivalry game back and forth. Um you know, you, you find a way to make the one important run through your base running. Yeah, I, I think obviously you don't want to see like I I think Allison does pretty well starting. I would like to see her clean it up a little bit more if she comes in relief. Like this game, she gave up four earned runs um and four runs overall. So I think just coming in relief, she needs to clean that up a little bit. And that's kind of why it was a more wild of a game, but we won. So how, how yeah. mad can I be? <laughs> yeah, and I'll put a pin in that because I do have follow-ups on the rotation coming up from a couple of questions we got in OK Quinn. That's when people ask Gwen questions since she's on Twitter at OK Quinn, O-K-A-Y-G-W-Y-N. So I'll go back now. We'll go Notre Dame and South Bend. You like that? That was a little speed through around there. Um, Notre Dame, South Bend, it was a sweep. Um, and they had to do an ex- take an extra inning in game one, doing it in comeback fashion, uh, I guess they just got tired of playing games the rest of the weekend because they didn't want to play extra innings. They gave them both back. Uh, but yeah, you come back in game one, win at five, four and eight cat dominates through four gives up four in the fourth, the, or the fifth four gives up four in the fifth. Easy for me to say number twister there. Uh, offense responds with four of their own in the sixth, really all with two outs. Michaela hits the three run homer to tie it. Uh, and then base running again uh, by Kerr is the difference. She gets the third on the builder's choice and scores on a wild pitch. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like the team f- continues to find ways even when they're they're behind. Yeah, and you didn't mention this when you were talking about Cat being ACC Pitcher of the Week a few times. Hallie Waycaser, because of the series up in Notre Dame, got her very first ACC Player of the Week. I mean, she like literally was on fire. I don't think she could have been stopped at all. Um, and I, I think, you know, players like Hallie Waycaser are really important in games like this and series like this, because she's kind of under the radar. Like I said, she hasn't gotten ACC player of the week before. Um, and yeah, I, I think Kat's efficiency going into the fourth inning, I think it was, or the fifth, um, really helped us out. I mean, of course she gave up a big inning with the four runs, but I, it took them four or five innings to score off Kat. So yeah, it's that interesting blind because there's the, um, you know, you're you're happy with, well, it took them four runs to, to give up something, but then it's like, well, they didn't get it four of their own until later. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, again, I don't want to put too much on the way the comments and the articles were reading, but it's, you can kind of sense the fear in how the offense is performing early in games when you see 
um, I don't want to say it's becoming a trend, but they seem to be every now and then falling behind early and having to storm back. I guess the one good thing yeah. I would say in retort to that is they can. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and they continue to prove it. The other thing here, McKenna gives you three scoreless, which which just seems to be her thing at this point is here's, <laughs> here, here's three innings and don't worry about giving up any hits. Uh, anything else on the 5-4 opener? Huh? Okay. Well, you you kind of jumped to this one already, I guess. The 11-2 game, well, I kind of jumped to it too. 11-2, five innings win here. Uh, they only played 10 the last, 10 innings in the last two games because they, they decided to win them 23-2 to two combined, which I think is a large portion of the 200-run difference there. But uh, this is Coach's 700th. The offense scores six in the first. You already mentioned it, Y-Casers. She hits Y-Casers two home runs, two three-run shots in this one. So, uh, I mean, she does all the heavy lifting, Allie and Allison from there. I mean, when you give them a six spot in the first, you can kind of just cruise. Yeah. Um, I, this is an offense just takes care of it kind of game for me. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Hallie Wake is, I'm so happy for her and how she got it done on Saturday. And I've I've noticed like the past couple series, you know, we struggle in the first game or we struggle in the second game, you know, and then like the third, second or third game, we come out and we just like absolutely handle business. Like we don't want to be messed around with. And that's exactly what this was. They really, um, yeah, I think it's kind of like I said before, they they just, I don't know if they just got tired of playing at Notre Dame. They're like, we're good. We'll <laughs> just save the rest of these games for next week. Because uh, game three, say, almost the same story. It's 12-0. You jump five innings again, jump ahead 2-0. You add one in the third, add eight in the fourth, another in the fifth, just for good measure. Mm-hmm. Michaela gives you four four RBIs. Mudge and Harding do two each, and, and from there, it's really just Kat and McKenna kind of really get to cruise, just like Allie and, and Allison did the day before. Yeah. Um, just a dominant weekend, really, in, in South Bend. And we talked about them getting used to this field and, and this, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if they stay in the same team hotel or whatever, but, you know, just kind of getting used to it. Sure, sure felt like they were pretty comfortable. Yeah, and uh, Notre Dame only has, like, three pitchers, um, and – I we saw Peyton Tid for most of the first game. I don't know if she, I don't remember if she was taken out, um, but like, you know, three pitchers, it's kind of hard to play around with that, you know, against a Florida state team. So once I think once we saw one pitcher a good amount of times and we started hitting her, like it got pretty easy from there on out. Uh, you mentioned way case, way case, sir. Am I getting it right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for the nod of approval. You, you kept saying it. I'm like, am I saying it wrong? I feel like I am in my own head, but she had 750 on the weekend. So, uh, and you mentioned the ACC player of the week. So certainly earned and uh, so improved this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge part of the team being able to just add that and, and her bat's been fantastic. Uh, next weekend, this past one that we just went through, uh, Louisville comes to Tallahassee. This one a lot uh, better contended a lot more contentious i guess yeah. i think that seems like it was fighting but uh i mean all the games are close your biggest differential is two run games you played 11 in game two um, but i think we kind of alluded to this louisville was was in the higher tier of this conference uh standings wise and i think we kind of obviously anticipated this being the more contentious series and, and it really was uh game one was your was your standard game i, don't, I guess standard but they went the regular seven uh six four win for Florida State because they won them all. But Edenfield and Kerr both go three for four. They combine a drive in five runs. Uh, wasn't really an easy one for Cat and McKenna. You know, I we kind of always refer to them as just doing their thing. Cat gives up three runs, two of them earned. McKenna won three walks from her in this one. Um, you're still able to get the win. And, and I, I, I know we kind of talked before, like if you wanted to freak out, it's like, oh, that's another tough one. 
to win. I, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to put like, well, that's that's worrisome when they continue to find ways to win. Yeah, and I think with Louisville kind of overall and this first game in particular, Taylor Roby started. She's like without a doubt their ace in the circle. Um, and they only got two and two thirds innings out of her. So I mean, knocking her out semi earlier, I like semi early. I thought that was kind of where we would take off from there. Um, and we did because we scored in the third, but just like the top of their lineup limiting what production they had was important because Taylor Roby is the home run leader across the country. She's number one in that category or was last weekend and just not letting her get on base or, you know, have people in front of her was huge. They continue to find ways and well, game two was a marathon. Obviously they went 11 innings. It was six, four. And I, I felt like this was one I kept flipping over to. Uh, every time it came to the bottom of the innings, like, well, let me see how they win this one. Yeah. And uh, I mean, boy, there were four or five times I came up off the couch. I thought I was like, oh, that's the walk. Nope. Caught that <laughs> one. Okay. Uh, they had the three run rally in the sixth to tie it at four just to see how we got through 11. Um, and that, that really came just on forcing two errors to kind of take advantage of that to open the inning. Uh, pitching, though, I thought was a real, really impressive spot for this one. Obviously, the an error puts two unearned runs on Alley. Uh, plus an earned run in the first, but they they get McKenna in there in the third. She gives up a homer, but after that you get McKenna, Mac, and we'll, we'll put a pin in Mac here. But Cat as well. They combine allow three base runners over the next eight innings. Mm-hmm. They just put up zero after zero after zero, um, and then you get the walk off home run from Devin Flaherty. You know, I again, it's just when you need the team, the, this pitching staff to step up. It feels feels like they can just do it. Yeah, and in the beginning of the season, you know, A, Mac wasn't starting a lot, and when she was, it was kind of like, oh, not her best outing, um, and in relief, like, she was kind of rocky then, but, I mean, having three and two-thirds innings out of Mac, one hit, like, I think that's really great for her, you know, and she's having good starting roles, too, so I think Mac Leonard coming around at this time of the season in the circle is, like, gonna, you know, help our pitching staff a lot more. Yeah, and she does it in a, in a huge spot on a in a Saturday of a series that uh, you know this this is a game teetering in the balance. It's not like it was the twelve two or eleven two from from the weekend before. This was a this game is tied. We need you to put up zeros, and she was able to do it. Yeah, uh, got to be happy for Devin Flaherty. She's actually the one who got the ball to go over the wall there. Uh, yeah, actually, went in run of the season. Yeah, for her first. I, I felt like like I said a couple of times they had the chance, and Devin actually. Uh, hit one hard enough to actually get it out. I don't know if Lynn was blowing in that day or what, but I was like, oh, that's gone. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Um, again, just uh, the only thing I guess you could say is is the the base running as well is what allowed you to get some of the runs in the sixth, the, the ability to put pressure on and force some of these errors. Um, again, they just, they just seem to find a way, and it, it seems to always be a different way, mm-hmm. uh, which continues to be really impressive. Yeah. Always, like I've said this kind of from the middle of the season on, like it's always going to be someone different. Like if it's not, you know, Katie Dak or Michaela Edenfield, like your typical power hitters or whatever, like it's going to be Dev Flaherty or it's going to be looking to the next day, Josie Muffley or something like that. So, I mean, everyone can get it done on any given day. Speaking of the next day and Josie Muffley, she gets the home run and the two one win on game three. Flaherty gives you the sack fly to put in the really the only offense you needed because uh Allison and Cat were great. They allowed one run. The only run coming off Cat in the seventh. That was a leadoff triple, then a sack fly. And um 
They never really threatened to get the second run across. Uh, this was just a dominant, a, a dominant game in the circle from Allison and Cat. And I, I um, you know, I we keep labeling it as Cat uh, McKenna show, and I think this one is just Cat. Hats off to her, man. She yeah. has been, uh, you know, deservedly so pitcher of the week, and, and this was a, a weekend for her. Yeah, I don't remember if it was this game or Friday, but one of the games, like it was her hundredth win, so you know, cat doing cat things. <laughs> uh, so all that together, obviously it's, it's eight. No, they complete the season ACC champions. Like I mentioned before, um, they'll enter the ACC tournament this weekend. And again, if you're listening to this now, uh, turn on your TV, the, the ACC network is probably currently airing the first games underway. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but, uh, that opens up on Wednesday, one o'clock. Uh, they get to enter the number one seed, so they don't play on Wednesday. They'll open on Thursday at 11 a.m. against either Virginia or Syracuse. Again, that game is on one o'clock on Wednesday. So if you're in your car driving to work on Wednesday, it's later. If you're on your way home from work, it's now. Um, or it's already over. Um, it, I, I want to kind of talk the tournament overall and, and kind of go a little bit by a little bit. Uh, Virginia, Syracuse, anything people should look for there as, as the potential first game of the tournament for FSU? Um, I, I mean, Virginia and Syracuse are like quite literally almost the same team because they're seven and eight, like Virginia's number seven and Syracuse is number eight in the ACC right now. Um, you know, and Virginia hasn't put up that great of a season since they played us. They got swept by Louisville. They got swept by Syracuse, who they're obviously playing. Um, so those were their two last ACC series. And it's just like, disappointing I think from where they started um and then in regards to Syracuse they did take one from Notre Dame they tied they also have a tie on the record with Notre Dame um and then they took two from Louisville or Louisville took two from them I guess they swept them because the third game was canceled um and then took two of three from a not very good NC State team and then lost two or three for North Carolina, you know, swept Virginia, Boston College, got swept by Boston College. So these two teams, I think, are very much in the enigma category, if I had to say anything, because it's like yeah. NC State is not good at all. And then Boston College and Syracuse, each of themselves are kind of enigmas. And it's just, I, I couldn't tell you who could who could win this series or like when the opening round game to tell you who we could face. Um, there's really not a clear cut answer in my opinion for that, but whoever it is, like, I think is going to throw their best pitcher against us. Like, obviously you want to throw your best pitcher so you can get to the next round of the tournament. But I, if I wouldn't be surprised if that pitcher, you know, started that first game and then started the game against us. So. Yeah. And if you're looking you know, you're thinking, Oh, these are teams. I remember playing these teams. Well, yeah, you played weekend series against both Syracuse was a 10, zero five inning run rule, uh five, one win on Saturday. And then an eight Oh run rule in five innings on Sunday. And then the uh, Virginia is one of the two, one of the two losses that you have suffered this year, yeah. six, one Friday, win, five, six Saturday loss and an eight Oh Saturday doubleheader six inning run rule. So, um, I mean, you've had success against both, uh, Virginia obviously being the one team to actually beat you out of the two, but I don't, I mean, that was one game. I'm not willing to read that much into it. I think you kind of just routed off kind of how the end of their season has gone. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think you have to feel kind of good about it. Obviously you're the ACC champ. 
Um, I don't think there would be a matchup where I'd be like, oh, kind of worried about that. Um, but again, it's, it's a it's a one game tournament. Anything can kind of happen. Uh, and if you were mm-hmm. wondering how that that Virginia game went, it was an alley start, three earned. Um, Allison takes over, goes three, gives you three earned, and then uh, Emma Wilson goes two outs, and then McKenna Reed closes out in the last. So, um, you know, you didn't score. You scored five in the six, lost six to five. So that was the only runs you put up in the whole game. So uh, just in case you were looking back, curious how that one went, that's how that went. Uh, assuming you're able to get through one of the two of them, the next up, you line up with a rematch against either Louisville or Virginia Tech. That would be a Friday 1 p.m. in the semis. Uh, the, all those games, these games are all ACC Network until the championship. So if you're looking for them, that's where they're out on your TV. Um, I don't know, Louisville, Virginia Tech, again, same, kind of similar, right? Teams you just saw, Louisville, obviously, we just talked about them. Virginia Tech's been a minute, but um, I, I think we refer to them as a pretty good team as well. I think either one of them will be uh, fair competition given this time around, but you were able to sweep both. Yeah, I mean, last since we we obviously know about Louisville, that was last weekend. But since and we talked about in our last podcast, um, Virginia Tech had Clemson this last weekend as their last ACC series, and they took shot of three from Clemson. I think they almost could have swept Clemson, but I mean, Clemson's kind of fallen off a little bit ever since we played it. I won't say anything other than that. But I mean, <laughs> I think Virginia Tech. If I were Virginia Tech, you know, they're coming in in a better spot than probably Louisville is um so or where they expected to be and where they wanted to be so I think Virginia Tech's kind of riding a hot hand a little bit right now so we'll see how that plays out with them and Louisville yeah that should be a good game to watch I think that one's uh I think that one's the late at the early afternoon game or mid-afternoon game on and Virginia Tech and Louisville did not play this season they didn't play a series so they're facing each other for the first time around on well then yeah that should be a good one to put on thursday what time is it, do you know what start what time the start is on that i have to pull up the one thirty schedule one thirty yep say right it's probably right around two um yeah it'll be perfect just flow right into it uh other side of the bracket duke clemson north carolina notre dame georgia tech uh that's the seed order um thoughts anything you want to share you're interested in by that that breakdown of teams that that catches your eye you mentioned clemson sliding and for those of you who like to read into what we say and don't say you can read into whatever gwen didn't or didn't say there uh but anything else sticking out to you on this side of the bracket um i think this is a little bit of a less competitive side of the bracket you know the same yeah yeah just because you have you know us you have louisville and virginia tech playing each other at the top end of the bracket and then Georgia Tech, they're the 10 seed. They're literally the last place seed in the tournament. Um, and then North Carolina is good, but I feel very iffy about North Carolina sometimes. Notre Dame, good, but iffy. Um, and then Clemson is just more on a down streak than how I think they probably thought they would be in like the Virginia Tech spot where it's like they or the Louisville spot where they thought they'd be riding a hotter hand and they're just not. So. Yeah, I looked at it and I was kind of like, well, it looks like this is this is Duke's side of the bracket. Yeah, I would say so. Um, the championship, if Florida State is to go there, is Saturday to one o'clock or what is it? Yeah, one o'clock on ESPN two. Yeah. So if you're looking for that channel guide, obviously I'm not gonna make Gwen speculate on which of the five teams get there. Odds are it's probably Duke, and we'll see what we see there. Um, uh, potentially Clemson, I guess, but it seems like it's Duke's to lose at this point. 
Um, so then the next big thing you'd have there, I mean, again, I, I, one thing I do want to preface on this and I'll ask you, actually, I'll skip it. I'll ask you next anyway. So I'm just <laughs> going to skip it. Selection Sunday is the next big moment. Uh, we're going to be back here Sunday night. So I mean, Gwen's okay with that. I haven't asked her as I say it now. Yes. Yeah, we're back Sunday night. So we'll get you a Selection Sunday show, uh, kind of looking at the regionals, uh, Florida States and whatever else develops across the country. I'm sure, uh, Oklahoma, UCLA will also be hosting, uh, and I'm sure a bunch of others, we could probably rattle off the top of Gwen's head, not mine. Um, that show is Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. I think the latest rankings, Florida State is three. Um, so that I'm going to take ahead. I'm going to grab grab by the hand, and I'm going to run straight into OK Gwen. That's when you ask Gwen questions on Twitter, at OK Gwen, O-K-A-Y-G-W-Y-N. I rattled through that earlier. You heard it great. These questions won't come from Twitter because t- Gwen, as we discussed earlier, was busy at Taylor Swift this weekend and didn't ask you for questions. Is it her fault? No, it's Taylor's. Um, <laughs> so I grabbed these off of our Tomahawk Nation game recaps. We're going with still writing game recaps because she works too hard. Uh, oh, I, so I only wrote one. I had I had a sub come in for me. Did Prince do it for you? Yeah. Yeah, great, because he's got a question here, so that's perfect. I'm not even sure it's really his question, but I like the idea that I'm taking for it. If you don't know Prince, he's he's one of our great writers, and McGuinn do a great job on the team, so... Hats off to Prince and and thank you for doing all the work. So that allows me to parachute in and out of the team and you guys do it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, first question for you, 40 Mike Mike. I don't know, I'm going for it. Uh, if FSU does not win the ACC tournament, how forgiving will, I'm just going to say the jabronis make the seeding be, does FSU still manage to hold on to a top four seed? Uh, so basically if they're not ACC champions, do you think they're still, I don't know if top four seed really matters all that much. I think you're looking at a top eight seed. Yeah. Um, because in the grand scheme of things, top four doesn't re- really mean much of anything until you get to, uh, OKC. And at that point, what does it really matter? Um, yeah. so if you're top eight, that sets you up to host a super, um, Gwen, I'll put it to you before I, before I, uh, try to jump in front of you. It's not okay, Brian, it's okay, Gwen. So assuming they don't win the ACC tournament, um, Top eight seed already in the books for you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think if we don't win the ACC tournament, top four could be a little bit more questionable. Of course, it depends on everybody else around us too, um, like the Tennessees and all those people and the Stanfords of the world. But I think so. I, you know, when, when the committee looks at putting teams in the rankings for the postseason it's not like it is every week where it just kind of seems like it's the same old mundane like Oklahoma UCLA Florida State Tennessee whatever at the top I think they put a lot more care and thought into it and that's where you could see like a lot more shakeup is like that final ranking system um and what they look at is mostly RPI and strength of schedule um we have the number five RPI right now which is really good so I think that definitely secures us the top eight seed um, and then our strength of schedule is at 11. If we don't win the ACC tournament by whatever means, I think our, our, our strength of schedule could like be our Achilles heel a little bit and drop, not drop us out of the top eight, but like drop us maybe to five. Um, so depends on who we lose to, of course, if we lose, but yeah. And I'm interested where you think that strength of schedule is hurting. I know you had the Oklahoma state series, you had the game against Oklahoma. You feel like that would probably uh, bump it up a little bit. Obviously the Clearwater tournament had a lot of high ranked teams in it as well. Um, so you've played the number one, the number two, and I don't know where Oklahoma state was. I think they were closer to like 11, maybe last I saw when you shared earlier. Um, but you've played a lot of higher ranked teams. Is it the ACC being so down? I don't even want to say it down. I mean, a lot of teams just weren't very good. Yeah. It's that. And plus it's, you know, 
believe it or not, I forget this all the time, that loss to Longwood was this season. Um, so I can take a look right now. Longwood has a 62 um, and 61 strength of schedule and RPI. So like they are very much not that good. Um, and if you guys want to look at all of this stuff, if you go to d1softball.com, that's where literally the master list of all this stuff is. Um, so if you want to look at it a lot more and yeah, and you go to rankings and then RPI at the top, that's where, um, they have a master list of everything. Um, so if you want to take a look at every single team we've played this season and really get into it from there, that's where everything is. I mean, even Louisville, like, you know, we swept Louisville and they were number two in the ACC at the time, but like right now they have a 31 RPI and 43 strength of schedule, which like, isn't bad, but it's, you know, the Alabamas and the UCLA's and the Oklahoma's and the Oklahoma States, like those are much better quality wins. So, and it even tells you like, you know, our win percentage against the RPI top 25 or the RPI top 50. So yeah, that's, do you want softball is your go-to mecca for all that stuff? Yeah, against the top one through 25, you're 13 and six, which sounds like, oh my God, you lost six times. But I mean, that's that's still, you know, you're, you're winning two out of three. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think what really kind of hurts us is that two losses to the teams in the RPI 51 to 100. So, you know, those are the Longwoods. And I think I said Louisville too, but or not Louisville, I don't know who it would be, but yeah, those two wins I think is probably what pushes us down to the 11 strength of schedule and the five RPI. One thing that's interesting, I don't want to bog us down here, but UL Lafayette being number nine in RPI. Um, interesting. Top three strength of schedule, about two and 10 against the top 25, but uh, interesting to see them in the top 10. Uh, not to keep us bogged down, so I'll move <laughs> on. Uh, so I mentioned Prince. So I'm going to give you the question that I just took from, from Prince here. He makes a lot of good points. He was talking about in the game recap of, uh, max start that, uh, this team's really been looking for another pitcher to give you quality innings alongside McKenna and cat. We talked about it all year that it's really been the two of them being able to show up and give you what you need probably twice a weekend at this point. Uh, we've seen it a lot from Allie and Allison in spots, uh, as they look for the other one, Prince kind of alludes, why not Mac Leonard be that one? Could she be the pitcher who gets hot at the right time after really not being in the circle almost at all this year? Could yeah. she really be a wild card for this team? I think so. And, you know, going into the postseason, it's like you're riding a hot hand in Mac Leonard that like kind of nobody's seen this year or they haven't seen her for very long. So I think, you know, very well, I think Mac could be that person where it's like, you sneak her in for a mid relief and she gives you a couple, you know, scoreless or hitless frames and where she starts a game and, you know, she doesn't give up any runs or she doesn't whatever. Um, and at the beginning of the season, it was probably like, Oh, we have to rely on Allie and Allison. And they were kind of shaky at the start. It was like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? But I think, yeah, it's surprising, not too much, but that Mac is getting hot right now. Yeah, and it can't hurt, right? The the experience of Mac, the ability yeah. to have another person you can trust to go out there and, and not be a shaky hand, I think is a huge piece, especially in a postseason run. Yeah. Uh, this one's more a general question. No one had had really a specific question about it, but at reading through the comments, I saw everyone panicking over here and they're panicking over there and they're panicking over <laughs> here. And and so I want to just pose to you, we talked about it. It was sunshine. It was rainbows. They're 8-0. A lot of close games, but we really can't, poke a hole in it because there ain't no 
where do you see potential concerns heading into the postseason with this team? Uh, looking through articles, I saw questions about, oh, they're too aggressive in base running, that they're running too much and it's running them out of innings or, um, you know, well, I, you know, I saw a couple like, well, I'm watching the base coaches are not sending them. They're just instinctually taught to go be hyper aggressive mm-hmm. um, where, where some were mentioning maybe that's a negative versus being a positive and putting pressure on them. Uh, some obviously complaining about the defense, the errors that seem to come up. Obviously, third base seems to come up in, in nearly every show we've done in the comments, like ah, third base and some guys who's yelling into the clouds and uh, and the need for additional pitching uh, as another one that's come up. And we kind of just alluded to that. Uh, no one seems to be that concerned about the offense, though. Someone did ask if this offense seemed a little bit like Mississippi State a year ago. Um, not to bring up bad memories, but it, like, you know, you remember <laughs> that warning. Um, so, you know, I, where do you see concerns? Where, where are you maybe worried about this team that has been on this uh, three month dominant run here? Yeah, I think any concern, I feel like it's just nitpicking a little bit. Like we kind of overcome anything that we put ourselves into. Um, I say ourselves, like I'm on the team, but the team puts themselves into. Look at um, you, big J journalist, put the hat on. <laughs> and I, I, the first thing that came to my mind was like the base running where you get into the double steal or, you know, whatever. And then one or both runners are tagged out. But I, even when I watch those, it is really frustrating because, you know, we do lose a sense of steam or a sense of momentum, but we haven't entirely killed ourselves with that. We do get like one run or we get, you know, a runner on third base or whatever. Like it doesn't absolutely kill us. So I, it is kind of nitpicky in my opinion, because nothing terrible has come out of those. It does happen quite frequently, I will say. Um, But I think just the identity of like the team is being aggressive on the base paths. And, you know, I think everyone in the country knows that, that that's how we are. Um, And just being that aggressive is going to come back to bite you sometimes. And, you know, it has a little bit the last couple of games, but I don't think anything awful has come out of it by any means. Yeah. And I think the ability to be aggressive on the base paths comes with, um trusting the rest of the roster like trusting what everything else you do I feel like they're like you know what and I and I think that uh um I've had to scroll up and look at the game but I'll just do it but the the stolen base the wild pitch the sack fly to bring in the winning run against Florida is a great example of I trust that and I'm saying I as as though I I was coach but I'm not obviously but (laughs) I'm saying like I trust that if I can get this team one more run that I have the pitching staff to end it that I know I don't have to worry about. This doesn't have to be a three. I don't need to put up a three in the seventh. If we put up one and I give them a two run lead, it's over. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you see the aggressive base running where it's like, you know what? Go steal me one more insurance run. I'm not going to try and play at station to station and bop one over the fence to get a three run homer or a two run homer. I'm willing to push press and figure out a way to get one more run across to help uh, kind of set that rotation up. Yeah. And like with the Florida game down in Gainesville, like Janai scored on, I think it was that game. I, I kind of burst together or whatever, but like Janai scores on that wild pitch. And then the next inning, like McKenna has the bases loaded with two outs. Like, of course we walk Skylar Wallace to get to Charlotte Eccles, but it's like, we have the confidence in McKenna to come out and, you know, even with the bases loaded and kind of struggling a little bit to close the game, like she does close the game. Um, so yeah, I think our pitching staff can definitely lock it down if, you know, our offense gets us to the right point. Do you have concerns about the lineup not having a person? You know, um, like this is the bat 
that's gonna get it like i like when we played clemson earlier this year and it was like uh you know the girl got thrown out it rolled a second and it was like oh well you can't take the bat out of her hands um and the name escapes me off the top of my head i have to go back to my notes and you know it because you know Tyler softball Cable. and i don't and thank Kenzie you clark yeah 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 them um you know does that concern you at all not having that bat in the lineup where it's like well we can't let x beat you or do you think it's because this team this team's ability to have anyone kind of one through nine any given day beat you does that make them more dangerous yeah I think so I mean I think kind of going off a little bit I think I would like to see I have something in my eye I think I would like I to see I was trying to tap the for you so you could get it I was trying to help you I would I, w- I would like to see Kaylee Harding and Katie Dak come on a little bit more um they've kind of had a little bit quiet last couple weeks but like you said we've had so many other players step up in that position and, you know, looking at these teams that we faced in Clemson and Florida, like they have one or two players that they kind of rely the most on to like when the, be in these big moments and they can't do it or whatever. Um, and that's not our problem. You know, we have other on our team. We have other people who can do it. You know, if Kaylee Harding is having a bad couple of weeks, which she kind of has, like, you know, we have Josie Muffley, you know, suddenly hitting for power and like hitting home runs and all that stuff. And we have Devin Flaherty doing the same thing and just coming through when they need it. Like we don't need Kaylee Harding to be that girl all the time. And we don't need Katie Dak to be that person either. So I think we're a very well-rounded team, no matter what, like even, you know, when Katie and Kaylee, I say that just as an example of those two, um, we don't have to win with power either with these like Florida's and Clemson's. Like, I think that's kind of their MO sometimes when they're playing these big teams is like, they need the power to win. And, you know, when we were playing that third Clemson game, it was kind of like, that's what Clemson needed the most was the power of Valerie Cagle. But it's like, when you're looking at us, we don't need power. We can get Michaela Edenfield on and get Amaya in the game and, use her speed we don't need you know or we need Josie Muckley's brilliant IQ to like steal home we don't need the power off the the bats so and I did open this uh again not making fun of the com- commenters not not trying to I, I love you guys you guys are fun and you guys are what allows <laughs> us to do this um but I do want to give you credit I'm trying to find it um you know but the, and I can't find it because I'm trying to scroll through comments and that's not interesting audio for anyone to listen to me scroll through comments but you know, they were talking about Michaela Edenfield's growth as a great situational hitter. Yeah. Uh, kind of understanding the situation much better. There it is. It's Cold Knoll. There it is. Bam, found it. You're welcome. Thank you, Cold Knoll. <laughs> but, you know, her ability earlier in the year, maybe she was she was struggling. And and now it just seems like she's really found an approach that's more situational and, and knowing yeah. what the team needs in that spot. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of, I feel like, what we saw at Notre Dame, right? Like, you know, the, the, the game tying home run with the power, of course, but it's like when we need her in those big innings towards the end of the game, you know, she gets on base. Um, and like, like I've literally said a thousand times, then she gets taken out and Maya comes in, but it's like, that's what you want to see. You know, you want to see a player who can kind of do it all. And that's what Michaela's developed into. Definitely. Yeah. The ability to give you both is, um, is, is what you need out of a, out of a clutch hitter, as opposed to, like you said, the teams that just rely on, well, we're tied, so I need to hit another home run now to win the game. And it's, yeah. no, you can draw a walk and we'll let the rest of my teammates pick up, pick it up because I know they can. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's maybe what makes this team so different and, mm-hmm. and so capable. 
Yeah. Uh, so if you're done with the softball adventure, uh, our next show is going to be coming at you on Sunday. That is the date, the 14th. We're going to try and get that up. I'm going to talk to Perry, post it as soon as we can, post-selection Sunday. Uh, my guess is it'll be late that night because Glenn will be writing stories and all kinds of other things, and I'm going to attempt to do fun stuff with us and, and leading into that. Um, we've put out interview requests, and we'll see if that happens, but we're trying. Um, so we'll see what comes through there. That'll be hopefully late night on the 14th. Worst case scenario, you'll get it on the 15th. Um, kind of sets you up. So if you're done with the softball conversations, you don't care to listen about our lives and what happens in it, you can move on now. It's time to talk Taylor Swift um, <laughs> and Gwen's weekend in Nashville. So Gwen, anything you'd like to take out of it overall? Just I'll just let you go. It seems to be the easiest thing I can do. Just get out of your way. Yeah, I think I'm a changed person now <laughs> because I was listening to her when I was driving back from Spokane last night from Nashville. And I was listening to the same songs that she played. And I was like, I've like never heard these songs like this before. Like it's just, it just felt different. And I was like picturing myself when I was at the concert and I was like, yeah, I remember how I felt literally two days ago. Um, this is yeah. me trying. What? what is it, this is me trying. No, no. What is uh tolerated? Damn, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> tolerated. There it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Life changing. Yeah. And I just, yeah. it's, it's just so good. And I think for each era, obviously, you know this, but if you mm -hmm. don't go to a Taylor Swift show and you don't know this for each era, she has like a different opening video um, that kind of preps the crowd as to what's next. She gets to change, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Quick change moment. And I think the reputation was my favorite one. Reputation is not even my favorite album, but like the reputation intro video and like the outfit was just amazing. And yeah. And then the midnight set was really good. And then the surprise songs, like I've been worrying for so long about what her surprise song was going to be. And I was like, what if it's something I don't really care for, or I don't know that well or whatever. And then first of all, Night two, I think every night in Nashville was like star studded, but night two was star studded. First of all, I'm really jealous that night one got the speak now. Got the speak announcement. now announcement. Yeah. Literally, yeah. I would have, I don't know what I would have done. I there was a shriek in our house. Courtney just oh started, my, my wife started just screaming in our house. I can't yeah. tell you. I was literally on the flight to Nashville when the concert was happening. So when I got off and I looked at my phone, it was like World War Three was happening on my phone. I was like, the speak now announcement. I was losing my mind. Yeah. And for those of you who, you know, you've listened to this. And so obviously Gwen and I have talked Taylor Swift pretty much every weekend at this point. And uh, so Friday she's flying. I wasn't aware she was flying, but Taylor announces this new album coming or, or re-record of her new album, re-record of her old album coming out. So that way, if you're not into Taylor Swift, you know what's going on here. Uh, and obviously huge deal, a huge ordeal. Everyone's freaking out. And I go to Gwen's Twitter feed to see her meltdown because she loves early era Taylor and not, not a peep. I mean, just total oh. silence. I thought I thought we had lost her. I just thought it was over. <laughs> like an hour later, she was like, I get off this plane and the world has changed around me. And it was like, yeah. it, it felt like, what, uh, what's, is it lost or something? Like you go up in the air and the next thing you come down and like the world has totally changed. Yeah. And then, so like I said, night two was star-studded. Reese Witherspoon was there. Her best friend, Abigail, was there, which will lead me into later her surprise songs. Like, I heard Tim McGraw was there and Faith Hill were there. Mariska Hargitay, Olivia Benson herself was there. <laughs> just everyone. And then when I heard or when I saw that Abigail was there, I was like, we could be getting 15 as a surprise song because Abigail was there. And we did. And our, the first <laughs> surprise song on guitar was Out of the Woods. And I love Out of the Woods. 
And oh my gosh, when that happened, when she was like talking about what song she's going to do on guitar, she was like, yeah, it's like where, where the chorus like repeats a lot. And the girls behind me, I swear to God, shrieked bloody murder because I guess that's their favorite song. I don't know, but <laughs> they just lost their minds. And then I was like, okay, I do love Out of the Woods. And then I was like, I I almost kind of thought 15, not 15, Tim McGraw could be a surprise song because Tim McGraw was there. Tim was there. and. Then I forget how she introduced 15. I don't remember. She was talking, I think she started talking about Abigail, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But oh, that was just so good. That was probably my favorite song of the entire night was 15. It was just so much, it was just beautiful. I don't know. But then afterwards, I don't even think I remember what happened afterwards. I was just in a blackout. Um yeah, just good night all around. That's me singing underneath it if you couldn't hear. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a, a hell of a weekend of shows for her. She announces the speak now, uh, come in July 7th. We get a double release. No, we're not. We're just gonna get one. Uh, I did think teardrops on my guitar played on piano. So interesting. Teardrops on my piano. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the rain show on Saturday, Sunday, right? Yeah. Sunday. Sunday yeah. There Saturday. Crazy. They, she played until the early morning, the rain, the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends that were there who were just like, this is the wildest experience of my life. We are crammed into the tiny little corridors around the stadium, trying to avoid lightning and thunder everywhere. Yeah, and- it was really bad. I was I w- also, I will say, if you ever go to a concert out of town or something where there's going to be hotels booked, rent a KOA, go to a KOA campsite, because that's what I did. And it was, first of all, cheap. Um, and it was just good vibes. Like it wasn't crowded. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't even too far from the stadium. So rent a KOA. That's my word of advice. Gwen and I are different people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, I was in a small cabin. I wasn't actually camping. Okay. Yeah. We're, okay, we're not that different. Cause a KOA, like you can bring your own RV, you can set up a tent, you can rent a little small cabin that they have, where they have like bigger sized cabins. So yeah, KOA is very diverse. That's, that would be my tip. If you're going to a Taylor Swift show down the road or whatever. You're going to try and go again when she comes to Seattle? No, I wish. Oh, I know. I've been, my wife like afterwards was like, well, maybe there's like another show somewhere. We could, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that. We bought Jonas Brothers tickets today instead. So. Oh, nice. Uh, there you go. Very excited for it. I tried to get out of it, but here we are. <laughs> uh, so thank you for hanging around to the end of the show and hearing Gwen's experience at Taylor Swift. It's the reason you're getting this on a Wednesday. We had to let Gwen travel around the country. And plus, you know, it's not really fair to be like, hey, I know you're on vacation, but how about you want to talk podcasting? (laughs) Uh, So we appreciate you hanging around and waiting for us to come around here on Wednesday for you. Again, next episode is going to be Sunday. We'll talk selection show. Florida State's presumed top eight seed. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll go from there. Let you know kind of what to look at at the regional, look across to the potential super regional matchup, and then anything else interesting across the country. And, you know, fingers crossed, we'll have a guest for you. So uh, again, that episode coming to you on Sunday, maybe Monday. Uh, But until then, for Brian and Gwen, that's a wrap.